Hi, I'm David Freudberg, the host of Humankind. I actually grew up in public radio. I've been in the field since I was 16. And from the start, I was taught to offer people content that will inform and enlighten. This podcast is dedicated to spreading ideas that speak to the highest part of our listeners rather than the lowest common denominator. If you like what you hear, we're asking for your help please leave us a kind review on iTunes so others can find us. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks. Humankind is produced in association with WGBH Boston and supported by the Humankind Program Fund and The Network Incorporated. Physical illness is not just a body experience, but a soul experience, and one that is full of potential for major transformation. A physician and author searches for lessons about life from the moments of truth when we get sick. You're listening to Humankind. I'm David Freudberg. can be uncomfortable, disruptive, and downright depressing. But it can also be viewed as a message, a way the body communicates with us about our life. Seen that way, getting sick, while sometimes miserable, also presents us with an opportunity to pause from the commotion of everyday activities and step back to observe. Physician Jean Shinoda Bolin in San Francisco. Physical disabilities are metaphors often. I mean, when when someone says, you give me a pain in the neck, or I have this awful gut feeling, there's a general awareness that people and situations and circumstances really creates pain in us. The The body's effort to let us know that something is the matter is through pain. And we disregard it, we don't listen. We, we take our Tylenol, aspirin, various super, super duper strength tablets that keep growing in super duper strength to suppress it, to suppress the pain. And if you suppress pain, the, you are suppressing the signal that says the body is getting involved in this situation and it's asking, please pay attention, I hurt. When we experience the aches and pains of illness, we're feeling symptoms intended by nature to seize our attention and stimulate needed corrective action. Maybe some aspect of our lifestyle, like diet or the way we handle stress, needs adjustment to promote better health. Or we may be receiving a message about conditions related to some genetic tendency we were born with. And then there's this whole range of susceptibility to infectious diseases. So we're talking at this point mostly about the diseases that grow out of some kind of combination of, of constitutional predisposition and stress being expressed through that particular organ system. But everybody knows that we become more susceptible to even common colds when we're down. And again, it's about whether it's cancer or whether it's about um, 
infectious diseases. It's about the immune system, which is affected by the state of the psyche. So that when you're not down, but when you're up, your resistance is greater. Yes. When you're full of life and you love life, the chances are that your body and your psyche are happy. Maintaining a healthy attitude and a zest for life does not, of course, immunize a person from getting ill. But it can play a role in the frequency and severity of sickness, or at least the way a person emotionally reacts to being under the weather. Dr. Jean Shinoda Bolin, in her career as a psychiatrist, Jungian analyst, best-selling author, and former clinical professor at the University of California, has deeply pondered how we go through the adversity of poor health. And in several books, including Close to the Bone, she has explored what it's like to face dire illness. It takes the person in a, into a descent into the underworld that it moves them into the realm of their own unconscious processes where they are along the way stripped of their emotional defenses, of their sense of persona, prestige, mattering in the world, and now reduced to the fact of a physical illness, that, especially one that might kill them, that they come to look at and feel everything that we try very hard not to be aware of, and that is that as spiritual beings on a human path, so to speak, that the very fact that we're in a body makes us susceptible to pain, to death, to illness. And so to make a descent into the underworld is to come into an encounter with everything you're afraid of, whether it be uh, death or dismemberment or disfigurement, um, abandonment, a loss of manhood or womanhood, um, depression. Just about anything that is our worst fears is encountered when you have major surgery, major illness, and in the process of going into the depths, it is potentially a time where we really get at what really matters to us, and it can change our lives, and we might heal our psyches in the process and heal our bodies at the same time, or we may heal the psyche, and the body, the physical aspect of us may die, but there is something about the serious illness that is an extraordinary and profound encounter with what are we doing here? What is our particular life about who and what really matters to us? Let's take, for example, someone who's diagnosed with a life-threatening illness. How would being told that by a doctor begin a process in the patient that could open up this self-discovery process? Well, sometimes it is such an intuitive flash. I remember a woman talking to me who said that she had found a lump in her breast 
and it was biopsied, and she went back to um, have that meeting with her physician to hear what it was and what his recommendations would be. And she sat across from him, and he had his uh, her chart in front of him and was beginning to tell her what it was and what she should do. And what happened in her, as for the first and only time in her life, she actually heard a voice in her head saying, you must get a divorce. And her immediate reaction was to speak out loud and say to the startled physician, I will. And she she knew in her bone, so to speak, that it was cancerous. And she also intuitively knew that if she were to not get out of the situation that was so depressing and difficult and and whatever it was, um, that she couldn't get on with the healing process, that it wasn't just a matter of whether she got radiation or surgery, but it was a matter of aligning on the side of life for her. Siding with life requires a willingness to look deeply at what's going on in our relationships, our work, the way we think about things, and to make conscious choices about what really matters. And even doing so may not automatically cure illness. Jean Shinoda Bolin points out that what she calls recovery of soul may or may not coincide with recovery of health but it allows people to consider dimensions of life we otherwise may avoid looking at. We might have a pain in our gut, a pain in our head, a pain in our back. I mean, those are very common places in which the body says stress. That we are feeling badly about some major aspect of everyday life, and it hurts us. But instead of being in touch with our feelings and saying, this really hurts that I have this oppressive boss or that I am doing work that is bad at some integrity level or that I can't stand it the way my spouse talks to me or I'm scared to death that I'm not going to be able to pay my bills by the end of the month and I am in pain. Better I should just march be a good soldier, do what has to be done, and try not to feel the conflict that I actually am in. Well, we don't get away with that. When we are in conflict over how we are living our lives, some part of us is going to be in pain if we don't acknowledge it ourselves. And that part is often the body, and so we have these headaches, uh, tension headaches. We have back problems, our digestion, our appetite, our sleep patterns are not very good, and they're all initially just symptoms. But symptoms are significant. At first onset, they may provide an opportunity to initiate some change, to nip problems in the bud. Responding decisively to this early warning system can make the difference between minor tweaking of health or other arenas of life and problems that mushroom into calamity. As someone recently observed, whoever calculated that an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure understated the advantage. When we ignore persistent symptoms, nature frequently exacts its price. We may be able to not feel that we are angry, but meanwhile, 
our spines might be getting stiffer, and it might be that with a tendency to have rheumatoid arthritis, we actually end up with more real pathology, uh, structural pathology of our spines. It might be that though we don't notice it at first, our blood pressure is creeping up, and over time our heart is getting bigger in, and weaker, and eventually we might be in congestive heart failure, which is real disease. And also the whole notion of, of uh, illnesses such as cancer is how often they seem to arise in people who have been depressed, who have within, um, say, a year of the development of the cancer, perhaps had a major loss and lost a sense of meaning or lost a sense of mattering, and that somehow the body that knows how to recognize bad cells uh, seems to forget that it knows how to recognize and take out bad cells. As Carl Simonton once said, cancer, cancer cells are normal, but cancer is not because our immune system normally notices that something bad is going on. What makes the immune system stop doing what it usually does? Do the actions we perform and the attitudes we harbor have an effect on the built-in defense system that protects our body from disease? Medical science has studied the delicate interrelationship among the brain, the mind, the nervous system, and the instructions they transmit to the rest of our body. Researchers are trying to understand how our frame of mind and our emotional hormones may help or impair the functioning of the body's intricate mechanism for self-healing. And the picture is complex. Dr. Jean Shinoda Bolin. There's clearly some potential genetic predispositions to the various illnesses. Some families it's cancer, and other families it's diabetes. It's, I think there's some basic predisposing physical elements uh, to the various illnesses. So is illness the result of a combination of physical predisposition and some triggering event of that through a, an emotional conflict? Yes, and you might add a few other complications. I mean, one is diet. The other is the environmental pollutions. Um, then you put emotional conflict, a lack of self-worth, depression, or anger, or fear, or grief that is somehow not fully expressed into the whole system, and I think that there then is a predisposition for something bad happening. Now, disease is certainly one of the bad things that can happen. Some people also seem to invite accidents so that they end up being patients of doctors, not because of disease, but because they have created a situation around them that includes them that somehow invites an accident to happen. You're listening to Humankind. I'm David Freudberg. For more information on this segment, Moments of Truth, 
check our website, humanmedia.org. Dr. Jean Shinoda Bolin believes so much of the healing we deeply yearn for comes when a person delves into a journey of the soul. Whether that takes a religious form or a non-sectarian search for meaning, it's about looking inside and connecting with our authentic self. If we make progress, that quest can alter our entire outlook. Overall, I have, I have really a sense of gratitude for how life unfolds. And I also have a sense of wonder. And I've always had a sense of meaning. And I don't get sick very much. I do notice when there are people around with stuff I might catch. And I do notice if I am a, a bit down that I'd better watch out for things. And I do then do that prophylactic massive vitamin C and stuff. And for all of these reasons, perhaps, um, I seem to get less sick than other people, but I think that's true of most people who are fully engaged in life when it comes to at least the common cold. You mentioned some interesting qualities there as part of your defense system, in mm -hmm. effect. Gratitude, sense of wonder, and sense of meaning. Well... When you have a sense of gratitude, it's very hard to hold at the same time a sense of being angry and victimized. They don't go together. There's a, uh, it's not just a cognitive dissonance. There's an emotional inability to be both rageful, angry victim and depressed about it. And looking around at the big world and seeing the beauty in it and also feeling that whatever's happening with me, when I see what other people have to endure or are enduring, I can have a sense of gratitude um, for being, for being in this world at this time when, I guess one of the things about about a sense of gratitude is I think that they were, that, 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 that having a spiritual dimension and a capacity to appreciate beauty together go into that sense of gratitude and that it is a psychological enhancement of well-being and that well-being psychologically and well-being physically do tend to go together. Sense of wonder in your life, how does that increase your resistance to getting sick? To have a sense of wonder is to keep one of the most natural, instinctual, glowing parts of a human being into adulthood. There is not a single loved child who doesn't come into the world, see things for the first time, and have a sense of wonder. And to keep that quality means that there is some somebody, some part, some aspect of the adult who still is innocent, who still is young and open and receptive and hasn't been turned into a cynic and hasn't had a wall of, of defense 
built around that soul, and so consequently, the world has a a new quality. I mean, every morning, I live in a place where, provided the San Francisco fog hasn't completely obliterated the view, I see the sunrise, and the sunrise is different every morning. It is a new day, and I see it, and it's certainly, partly it's an appreciation from a beauty standpoint, so it isn't just the child. I think that there's some depth part that that uh, greets each dawn, and to have an appreciation for that. By maintaining wonder, there's there's a sense that new things keep occurring. It's a real creative edge. The well-defended adult analyzes everything, for one thing, and doesn't think there's anything new under the earth. What do you mean by the well-defended adult? Well-defended adults put up an image that they identify with, and it includes a real fear of looking as if you don't know something, which means that you don't ever want to look foolish. And you have to repress spontaneity and hide that part from yourself, lest it show in the world. And I think you're then a well-defended adult with a very sad inner part. Uh, So it's okay to uh, occasionally appear quite foolish and ignorant. Absolutely. It's reassuring in my case. And uh, you also had mentioned meaning. And uh, I'm very intrigued by the relationship that a person can have between a full, rich sense of life's meaning and physical health. What is the link? I think people with a sense of meaning have a, a sense of mattering and having purpose. It's like knowing that it matters what it is we are doing, and that's a very vital quality. The sense of being in the overall path of life here for a purpose. I, I increasingly see and say that we are spiritual beings on a human path rather than human beings who may or may not be on a spiritual path which means that all the afflictions of life, of which disease and death, accidents, difficulties are part of it, that there must be something at a soul level that we came for in human form. There must be something about the body and being in a body for all the, the, the vulnerabilities and limitations, as well as joys, that come from being in a body that there must be something about us being on a spiritual journey or a soul journey that is about being human and going through all of it that is connected with being human. And if we stay connected with that sense, then we have a sense of life having meaning. Now, we also have a sense that when we call on the spirit, that there is some help from the spirit And when we get that, we also have a sense of meaning. Jean 
Shinoda Bolin has been deeply influenced by the work of Swiss psychiatrist Carl Jung, who died at age 85 in 1961. Jung emphasized spirituality and an appreciation of the unconscious in understanding human life. Well, I gravitated towards Jung for a number of reasons, but one was that the spiritual aspect of the psyche is such a central part of his psychology. And in Jungian psychology, there is an archetype of meaning that he describes as a large S self. When the ego is in touch with the archetype of meaning or the self, there is a quality that affects life and health. Call it God or goddess or Tao or, or just meaning. Then we get a sense of illumination, warmth, um, connection, well-being that does not have to do with the outer world's perception of how we are doing. When we do that, there is an internal element that makes us have a sense of wholeness without having to get the approval of the outer world. We have another source of well-being other than other people. And I think that that clearly helps. How does having that secure feeling of well-being translate into physical well-being? Well, I think that there's something about the psyche that energizes the body, that affects um, the vitality of the body, that affects the immune system of the body, that, that um, has to do with how we carry ourselves, with a get-up-and-go, with, uh, with consequently even how much our, our, the circulation in our body really works. One naturally is more active if it's possible to be more active, if you have a jaunty, vital sense of um, getting on with life. When you feel like you are in touch with a higher purpose through some kind of sacred dimension of life, you feel like you are in some way a beloved soul. When you are with people that you love who love you, you also have a sense of being a beloved soul. And whether it comes from one or the other, the sense of unconditional love that is really the essence of having a sense of mattering enhances a, a psychological, spiritual well-being that translates into this body well-being as well. I think we see it all the time, that there is a relationship between the two. Cultivating a vibrant sense of higher purpose inevitably means aligning that purpose with our personal actions and choices. And that may require life changes if it leads to being more genuine and more whole. To do that, you have to um, look at your heart, your courage, and have some sense of what really matters. And often it has to do with choosing what matters personally because your body or, 
or the stress in your life is telling you that what you're doing is making you very unhappy, even if it looks terrific to everybody else, even if this is what the significant people in your family said this is what you should do to be a successful human being. If it makes you unhappy, you've got to look at that, that this is not good for you and that this is your life. Jean Shinoda Bolin, psychiatrist, Jungian analyst, and author of Close to the Bone, Life-Threatening Illness as a Soul Journey. Listening to Humankind, I'm David Freudberg. Studio recording by Antonio Oliart. Editorial assistance from Thomas Royal and Kathy Graham. Music by Gunnar Debosi. Webmaster Brian K. Johnson. Special thanks to Tony Buck. Our program is produced by Human Media in association with WGBH Boston and The Network Incorporated. Program development provided by Shart Media. You can hear more episodes of our series at humankindpodcast.org. That's humankindpodcast.org. This segment, Moments of Truth, with Dr. Jean Shinoda Bolin, is Humankind Program number 143. The executive producer is David Freudberg. Please subscribe to our free weekly podcast. The title is Humankind on Public Radio. You can find it at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all major podcast services, as well as through our website. Again, the podcast title is Humankind on Public Radio. And if you'd like to support our program, please visit humankindpodcast.org. And at the top, click on How You Can Help. Thank you.